Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. January 5th, 2011. It's 7 p.m. Eastern. I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. Happy New Year. This is the first show of the new year, 2011. As you know, I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions at info at You can also go into my chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts or tweet me your questions at StewTheWineGuru on Twitter and I'll read them live on the show. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. Call that Power of the People meets the power of the internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, the videos, articles, and the shows that I'm currently part of. Speaking of articles and reviews, I'm currently writing articles and reviews for Yahoo and the Examiner, so look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 video series that can be viewed just about anywhere on the internet, YouTube, my website, so check those out. My latest is on wines of South Africa, and I highlight the Sauvignon Blanc of a fantastic new vintner, Seven Springs Vineyard from Hermanus West Cape Town area. 
check it out. It's a, it's a great Sauvignon Blanc and a great vintner, without a doubt. Hey, this is Sly Stallone. You're listening to Stu the Wine Guru on blogtalkradio.com. When I'm out making action pictures, I'm listening too. Right now, I'm sipping on a nice Tusca Red. No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. Hey, hi, this is uh, John Ratzenberger. When I'm not doing voiceovers for movies or doing commercials, I'm listening to Stu the Wine Guru. I suggest you do the same. No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Only celebrity impersonators. So tonight, we go to Napa Valley and speak with one of the top Napa Valley winemakers. The wine company she works for has been around over 30 years, and its name is Markham Vineyards. Her name is Kimberly Nichols, and she'll be joining us shortly. Of course, the number to call in, 646-381-4860, or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, email me your questions for both Kimberly and I to info at com, or if you are computer savvy, get on Twitter, tweet me your questions to at StuTheWineGuru, and I'll read them live here on the show. As always, I've opened up a chat room for the listeners to go into and chat. You can also ask questions of Kimberly or myself, and I'll check into the chat room periodically live during the show to get answers for you. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Either. Okay, I know I haven't been in a movie in a while. I got it. It's okay. I've embraced it. But when I'm not being either, I'm listening to Stu, the wine guru. Scott, you'll get your turn, okay? (laughs) No actual celebrities were used in the making of this promo. Just celebrity impersonators. Yeah, hi, this is Tony Danza. You listen to Stu the Wine Guru. He's not bad. I listen to him every once in a while. You know, drink a Tuscan Red, try to take down the edge. Pretty good. I like him. Not bad. But first up, I want to thank the listeners who are following me on Twitter. I love social media. The beauty of it is that I can talk directly to my listeners and my guests alike. And I enjoy the immediacy of the medium. I like the ability to give updates in real time. And my guests are doing the same to promote the show. So thanks to Twitter and social media. Some show notes. My next TV appearance will be January 14th. I'll be on NBC6 television here in South Florida on South Florida Today Show. Check your local listings for that. And everybody that's local will be able to get, get a chance to catch that. I'll be talking about the Key West Wine and Food Festival coming up towards the end of this month, which runs from the 27th through the 30th of January. I'll be kicking off, let's see, that, that's one of the events that I'll be at. Also, another TV event that I'll be on, uh, I'll be a guest on the Emmy Award-winning PBS show, Check Please South Florida. It's going to be in fifth season, so look for that to air in late January, early February. I've also been asked to be a guest on the hit CNBC World Show 
Wine Portfolio with host Jody Ness. They're taking on the Miami wine and food scene, and during the taping of my episode, I showed around uh, Jody and the crew all of Miami and took them to the best places for both wine and food. We discussed my radio show and the wine industry. And although taping was last month, the show will air in late January, early February. So check your local listings for that. And I have to tell you, I am completely psyched for everyone to see the fruits of my labor and to see these shows, uh, the great shows. Uh, if you have TiVo or DirecTV uh, or a DVR system for your cable, I highly suggest that you uh, that you take these and and you uh, put them on your on your uh, on your DVR. There'll be more TV appearances coming up, and I'll let you know via this radio show and Twitter as they happen. Also, I'll be narrating a promotional digital video from multiple Napa Valley wineries, and I'll let you know when that is complete. For all of you wanting to know what events I'll be attending, so you can meet up with me like my tweeples do on Twitter, as I mentioned earlier. January 27th through the 30th, I'll be a media sponsor covering the second annual Key West Food and Wine Festival. So come down, check out Key West. This is some of the best time of the year to be there. It's beautiful weather. Uh, eat some great food, drink some great wine, and be sure to find me because I'll be all over the place checking out all the events and say hi to me. February 23rd through the 27th, I'll be covering the 10th annual Food Network South Beach Wine and Food Festival. And again, every time I say it, I still can't believe it's been 10 years. You have to check this event out. It's completely, it's unbelievably amazing. All the cool chefs, all the who's who of the wine industry are there, including me, of course. So come down here, say hi to me. March 18th through the 20th, I'll be reporting on the Boca Bacchanal event. Lots of good stuff happening the first few months of the year down here in Florida. So that is the schedule so far. Of course, keep listening here, and I'll keep you posted. Since I'm a media sponsor for the Key West Food and Wine Festival, I've worked out a great deal for my listeners. You can now purchase VIP passes and receive a 20% excuse, excuse me, $20 off. All you have to do is use the code STWG, as in Studio Wine Guru, during the checkout process, and keep listening. And you'll follow me on Twitter, and you'll find out more information.
you have questions, I have answers, so call me at 1-646-381-4860 or email me at info at stewthewineguru.com. You can get into the chat room and voice your opinion. And let me just give you some updates as to the upcoming shows who I'll be having on. So this uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night that is, I'm going to be having on Greg Vasos, who is actually the uh, the chef, the head chef for the Breakers Lescalier Restaurant. Uh, it's part of my Top Chefs of the Nation series that I've started. And the whole concept behind that is I've started with the chefs and sommeliers, some of the top chefs and some of the top chef, uh, sommeliers of Florida restaurants. Um, so as you've seen in the past, I've had on, for instance, Chef, chef Ezio Gamba of the Rich Carlton's Key Biscayne Chopinos. I've also had on Jorge Mendoza, who is the head sommelier there at uh, at the Rich Carlton. And this time around, the 6th, which is tomorrow, I'll have on Greg Bassos of the Breakers, the restaurant. And then I'll be, let's see, on the 12th, I'll have on John Emmerich of Silverado Vineyards. So you'll definitely want to check in for that show. They make incredible wine in Napa Valley. Uh, the 13th, I'm following up with Master Sommelier Virginia Phillip, again, of the Breakers Hotel. Uh, and she's one of, actually, I don't think there's, she's to have that master, um, she's one of many, let's see, I think there's only a few people in the world that have that designation. There's 170 Master Sommeliers worldwide, and she's actually one of them. So she's going to be on to talk about wine and, of course, working at the Breakers. The 19th, I'll have on James Hall of Patson Hall, um, followed by the 26th, I'll have on Aaron Padier of Ferrari Cavarano Vineyards, excellent wine, great winemaker, uh, followed by the 2nd of February, I'm going to have on Chris Pisani of ZD Wines, Zero Defect, unbelievable wines, great winemaker, you definitely want to check in for that. And on the 3rd of February, interestingly enough, Florida radio personality and new winemaker, if you will, Paul Casanova of 105.9 here in South Florida, um, big 105.9, will be on the show. Paul has just recently started his own wine, a Moltopiano Abruzzo, and he's going to come on and talk about the wine. He'll talk about Casanova Vineyards, and of course, He'll talk about being a radio personality for the past 20-some-odd years. Uh, he's, he's great. One part of the team, Paul and young Ron. Um, then on the 9th, I'm going to have Dan Costa of Costa Brown Vineyards, also phenomenal Pinot Noirs, so look forward for that. And then um, on the 16th, uh, Wine Spectator's number one wine of the year winemaker, Ray Einberger of Columbia Crest. So out, we're going out to Washington State for those uh, people who enjoy the Washington State wines. You can have uh, the top winemaker of the year. He'll be on. So let me make sure that everybody has uh, the correct website to go to so people can learn more about uh, Kimberly and, of course, Markham Vineyards. To go to learn more about Kimberly and Markham Vineyards, go to www.markhamvineyards.com, M-A-R-K-H-A-M-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D-S, markhamvineyards.com. You can find out where you can buy her wines locally. 
in your own town or buy them directly from Markham Vineyards Winery. That's the beauty of the Internet. You can sip some wine while you buy some wine. So without further wait, I want to bring on my guest for the night, the incomparable, you know her, you love her, you can't live without her, it's Kimberly Nichols. Kimberly, how are you? I'm great, Stu. <laughs> that is some billing, let me tell you. You see what I you see what I do for my guests? No, actually, you know what? So, You're the only person I've ever said that intro to. <laughs> and, and, and if anyone's a fan of David Letterman's from the way back when he started it on NBC, you'll know that intro. Anyway, I want to, first of all, I want to thank you for, for being here on my show and discussing your great wines with us. It's great to have you here tonight. Thank you for having me. Super, super. So I have many questions. I'll just let you know how this kind of works. Um, I like to let my guests know what they're in for. Uh, I have questions of my own. Uh, I have email questions that are coming in fast and furious, as well as some that have come in already. And then I have, uh, I'll see some tweeted questions that I'll try to field as well. Uh, as they happen, I will uh, ask them of you. So let's just start off um, maybe with one of my questions. So what were your original thoughts on what you wanted to be when you grow up, growing up in Washington State? <laughs> well, I had an uncle who was a dentist, and uh, that's actually kind of what I wanted to do. I have a degree in biology, and, uh, you know, I started working for a dentist, and, you know, I thought it was it's, maybe it's more, much more fun to make the teeth red than to actually clean them. So that's, <laughs> that's sort of a shortened version. Okay. <laughs> I like that. And, and and so there's no confusion. People aren't thinking that you're uh, some sort of masochist or something. I think you were talking about the idea of drinking wine to make them red as opposed to using some sort of tool. Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to clarify. Horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I wanted to clarify, by the way, because, you know, all the dentists out there, you might be going, whoa, wait a minute, hold on a second. No, what I love going to the dentist. I love going to the dentist. <clears throat> okay. That's good. We clarified the air on that one. So <laughs> so how did you get to work for Stag's Leap Wine Cellars? Because I have to tell you, they're one of my one of my favorite wine companies, one. one of my, and, and also I've had a chance to have uh, a few people on from there. So I'm going to let you answer that one. You know, I was working for a dentist in California, and um, I just, you know, didn't feel the passion for my job. And I... I uh, lamented, you know, to my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband of 21 years, that I needed a new job. And he said, well, why don't you look in the wine industry? That sounds like a fun job. So I, I just sort of was perusing the paper, and I answered a blind ad to this winery that I'd never heard of before. And, um, you know, found myself interviewing at Stegsley Wine Cellars, who knew at the time it was, you know, one of the most fantastic wineries in the world. And I just got, you know, my a first-class education um, with everyone there. Well, I would think you most definitely would. Um, and, and, you know, the region itself, that, that Appalachian, that area is just unbelievable for, for wine in general. So you, you could have started off with a better place. Um, right. I mean, a lot of the people there, you know, were really, you know, into wine and food and wine and everything. So it was a, a fantastic education for me. So what is your I'm, – I'm going to skip around here just so you'll know. I, I kind of do that questions-wise. It, it, there isn't any rhyme or reason. There isn't any, uh, you know, follow-through. <laughs> I just like to, you know, keep people on their toes. Sure. Um, so, so what is your own personal philosophy about making wine? 
You know, I really think that, and I think most people, like, they sort of have a clue um, that winemaking is actually super fun. I mean, we work with, to make a luxury product, and, you know, we everyone that does it, they love what they do, and I think it's just really interesting to be able to, you know, create a new wine, you know, every year. You have one time a year where you get to put it all together, and to do that, um, I have a big passion for cooking, and so a lot of times I look at winemaking a lot like I look at cooking because you have the different varietals, and, you know, depending on what type of barrels you use, you can, you know, really bring out different characteristics. So it's it's really fantastic to be able to do that and share wines with people, you know, and see their eyes light up when they taste something and, and uh, you know, wonder how, how you did it and, you know, it, it all comes down to, you know, having great vineyards and great fruit source. And if you have that, it makes the rest of the job easier. So that's what I, you know, a lot of times I will just say is, you know, I have we have amazing vineyards here at Markham Vineyards, and it really makes my job easier because it makes me look really good. <laughs> that you do. Um, I'm in on both ends. So uh, it, it, if you weren't making wine, yes. what would you like to be doing? Hmm, what would I like to be doing? I don't know. I, I love photography. I think it would be great to be, you know, some type of photographer. Really? Is that strange? I guess it's, <laughs> I mean, everyone, you know, has something. I, I love to cook, I but I have been, um, I worked in a bakery when I was in uh, high school, so I've decorated cakes professionally, and I know the hours that people who work in the restaurants um, oh, sure. put in. I just can't imagine doing that. As much as I love to cook on a personal note and, again, putting smiles on people's face by putting food and, and wine in front of them, I, I don't know that I have the have what it takes to uh, work in a restaurant. Gotcha. Yeah, oh, you know, it definitely is a, uh, kind of a uh, – it takes a different type of person, I guess, a certain type of person, I should say. And, and and by the way, did I sound like it was it was strange when you said photography? When I said really, <laughs> not strange, but just you know. Because <laughs> I don't think it. No, there, I, I, I I noted the surprise in your voice. Because <laughs> you know I enjoy photography too, and then I'm thinking, wait, uh, are people thinking I'm strange when I'm talking about? <laughs> no, photography? no. Wait, start, okay. But anyway, uh, enough about me. Let's talk about me. So anyway, back in third grade. Oh, okay, that's right. It's you, right? My show, you got it. <laughs> Um, what do you do to relax on the weekends when you're not working, when you're not doing everything having to do with wine? What is it that you do that you say, you know what, this is my thing. I like to just kick back and do this. I cook. Ah, okay. I, I cook. That's great. Yeah. Because most people think, you know, I was going to say, the average person says, oh, God, i got to cook, you know, or if I have to cook for the family or, you know, I have to make dinner for the kids or, you know, for them – Whereas I, I know a lot of people, and it's interesting that I find in the wine industry, and myself inclusive, because I like to cook. My wife and I love to cook, and we, you know, we make a lot of good, a lot of good meals. Uh, we're always learning how to, you know, getting a new recipe and, and figuring something out together. Um, but I was going to say, it, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. A lot of people in the wine industry do that to relax, and it's yeah. a, it's a nice thing. And I think people have, more people should find that as a hobby because I think it is extremely relaxing. Um, it's definitely a relaxing hobby. It's definitely a re relaxing thing to do along with – and the best part about it is whatever you make, uh, usually you can pair some wine with it. So you can enjoy the wine and, and uh, the fruits of your labor, so to speak. 
Um, Absolutely, and it's conducive to having friends and family over at your house all of the time. Oh, yes. That uh, most definitely is the upshot of that. Yeah, um, exactly. So so I'm, I'm going to go to some questions from around the world, as they say. Well, literally, Excellent. you'll see. So the first one up is from Pedro Vinos, or I should say Pedro Vinos, from Cadiz, Spain. And it says, Stu, what a wonderful show. I am new to it. But now I will listen every week. My question for Kimberly is, is it mandatory in the U.S. for aspiring winemakers during their studies to travel to other winemaking regions to study the techniques used in those regions? Thanks, Pedro. Thank you, Pedro, from Cadiz, Spain, for your question. Kimberly? Good question, Pedro. It actually is not mandatory, but I do find that a lot of people who are, are young in the industry and, and starting out absolutely take advantage of it. And it is a really great way for people um, when they're here to have internships at the different wineries. I myself have not been so lucky, and I have a family now, so I think it makes it even more difficult to get away. But I am totally envious, totally envious sure. of people that, that do that. It is you learn, I mean, just having an intern at your winery from a different country, you learn so much. And so encouraging okay. that is is amazing. Now, do you? I would take it that at some point in time you do have plans to do some sort of traveling, I would imagine, to, to see. Absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, being in this industry, and I, and I can say I have been lucky enough to travel myself worldwide, um, it, it's almost integral in a sense because, you know, it's one thing to taste a – Let's say uh, an Italian wine. We'll pick a, um, a Sangiovese um, here in the States. You know, and it's been bottled. It's been sent over, and you pop it and you drink it. And you know, and it has all the characteristics of a Sangiovese. There's nothing altogether to be, you know, in Tuscany, and someone brings over a bottle, and you're at a, a restaurant, and that Sangiovese was made, you know, there from that from that person's own personal collection that you can only get there. And then you taste it and you go, my God, this is unbelievable. And you realize you can't get that wine in the States. But what I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, there's definitely a difference between trying it in the region that it's indigenous to and then trying the same, you know, the same type of wine here. So um, I think it's a, it's a great thing to be able to, and it's a good excuse to travel. Again, back to the same thing we were talking about before. Absolutely. Um, and Tuscany, I, my husband and I keep talking about that's That's my dream vacation. Got to get there. Got to, Gotta got go. to get there. Yeah, most definitely. So the next one is from Nurit886 from Haifa, Israel. It says, Hi, Stu. You have a great show here, and I enjoy learning about different winemakers and techniques. I hope you have on Israeli winemakers someday so people can hear about our great wines. Well, I'm going to be working on that very soon, so you'll have that. But my question for Ms. Nichols is, how do you know who to source grapes from when making a varietal of wine that you don't grow the grapes for. Thanks, and shalom, Stu and Kimberly. Okay, well, I want to thank you for Nurit886 from Haifa, Israel, for your question for Kimberly. And Kimberly, you can take that. You can feel that question. Yeah, that's a it's a great question. I think um, I've had the luxury here at Markham Vineyards to work with a lot of growers up and down Napa Valley and so it's been um interesting for me to as my 
as I get older, unfortunately, um, to be able to taste wines that are made in all the different um, sub-appellations of Napa Valley. And so you sort of narrow down where your preference for, for certain varietals, because they absolutely do taste different where, wherever they're grown. And we certainly um, grow a majority of our own fruit, but we do purchase um, some varietals like the Petite Syrah that we make here at the winery. We actually source that 100% from uh, a grower and it, it's just working with the growers um, to get what you want and 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 doing it on a trial basis maybe for the first year but you know we've been buying from the same grower now for almost 15 16 years so um, it's it's developing those relationships and and again that's what it's all about sure and knowing that they make a quality grape so this way you can say okay yes I've you know used this before and and it works well, and so we're going to continue with them versus maybe there have been some in the past, of course, no names mentioned necessary, that you may have uh, sourced from and said, mm, 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 I, I don't know, this didn't really work out as well as we expected it to, unfortunately. Exactly. But, you know, exactly. And, but, that, growers, but growers that work with you, you know, a lot of times, and especially here in Napa Valley, they want to give the winemaker, you know, the best grapes that they can. And so they're listening to the, what the winemaker is saying when the winemaker is saying, you know, you know, last year, you know, maybe, you know, I, I just taste a tinge of, of greenness in the in the grapes. So maybe if we pull a few more leaves or we, you know, think about turning off the water earlier or, you know, what, whatever it is that you're trying to do to increase the quality, um, you know, that those, you're willing to work with growers when they're willing to work with you and to develop, you know, a better product because, you know, that's what it's all about is pleasing pleasing the public. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I, I think, um, you know, I think it takes that, that, uh, that kind of insight to know, you know, who to work with and who and, and, and that works best for you. And then, of course, like anything, it's not broke, don't fix it. So you want to keep using the same people, um, you know, and every, it's more very, it's definitely a synergistic relationship it becomes, I imagine, right? Exactly. Yep. So uh, the next one is from Wine Girl 64 from Brooklyn, New York. It says, <laughs> Stu, you are my wine expert extraordinaire. Well, thank you. Uh, I listen to you every week. Great guest tonight, Kimberly. Being a woman, do you find it was harder or more challenging working your way up in the wine industry? Thanks to you both. And Stu, when are you coming to New York? Well, let me just answer her question before you answer her, her part of the question. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't have a set schedule yet for New York, but as soon as I get to to New York, especially since the fact that I'm from New York, uh, believe me, everyone will know that I'm coming. Uh, so, I guess Kim. Kimberly, do you want to answer that question? You know, I I've been very lucky. I I'm one of those people. I feel like I've been in the right place at the right time. Um, I just have had people who've been very nurturing of me along the way and of my career. And you know, it just I just sort of progressed. I've been here at Markham Vineyards now. I'm working on my 19th year. Um, so. You know, it's, I started here in the laboratory, and I've worked my way up to associate winemaker, and then to the position of winemaker in 2001. So, you know, I've been here a long time, and so it's it's just been very nurturing. And um, the wine industry 
as a whole here in Napa Valley is very sharing because even if you have the same grapes, you don't necessarily treat them the same way. So I, I find that there is a wide community of, of sharing of information, and I have a lot of other female winemaker friends up and down Napa Valley, and um, you know it's fantastic to you know taste wines together and share information, and I do it a lot. Yes, so there really isn't any uh, bias anyway. There isn't any. Uh, you know, gender bias, and there isn't, you know, I and, and I, I, you know, I kind of, I think if you're talking about maybe 30, 40 years ago, there might have been some of that, but I really don't think it exists anymore, and, you know, and I've had on both uh, men and women winemakers, and uh, I don't, I, I've never gotten that kind of feeling. Some of the people have told me, some of the women have said to me, you know, in, in the past, yeah, like 30, 40 years ago, there was definitely, um, you know, you kind of had to really prove yourself. But I don't think that's the sense. I don't get that sense right now with Napa Valley or even the wine industry. You know. Yeah, I've never felt um, it. Yeah. So the next one is from Boris the Wine Guy from Minsk, Belarus. Wow. All the way from Minsk, Belarus. Yeah. <laughs> and it says, Stu, you are a great radio guy. Thank you. I like this show. I saw your wine videos and are very, and are very entertaining. Okay. My question <laughs> is, how do you know the exact time that a grape is ready to be picked. Thank you to you both. <laughs> oh, Boris man, I probably... I'm going to let him down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, I I think, you know, you just... Um, have, Stu, have you been out to Napa Valley recently and, and walked through the vineyards during harvest and all of that? I have. Yeah, I mean it's it's just fascinating to taste what a grape tastes like when it's when it's ripening and and I think that you just you know it obviously I'm sure it probably takes years and years of practice but you know if it, it's sort of like when you're you're tasting food and and all of that you're just sort of tasting you're like oh you know if you're cooking something it needs more salt it needs more salt and and the moment that it has the right amount of salt you're like wow it tastes great and it's the same right. with the grape you're out there and you're walking in the fields every morning and you're tasting as things are get the sugars are getting riper and you know you use the sugars to you know help train your brain where you think it needs to be but you know it's your palate that's going to tell you when it's t it's time to pick and um you do get that oh wow sort of sensory capability that um you know help helps it all work right and you know you, you know it's time when you know it's time yeah i i don't know how to answer it I, yeah, I guess that's the only. No, I mean, I guess I'm I'm, I'm kind of putting trying to put it into perspective. I, you really kind of know it's time when you know it's time. It, it's something that, like you just said, I think you put it in the best context you possibly could, and that is that you know you you just know it. It, it, it happens at the time it's 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 right, and um, you taste the grape and you go, yep, time to pick. Um, so so Boris, uh, I hope that answered your question. I think it did, and uh, thank you from Minsk, Belarus. Man, I'll tell you, that's got to be – you're the first person I have had from Minsk, Belarus, and I hope not the last. Um, so thank you for listening to the show. Okay, and then I'm going to go back to some of my questions here. So um, what varietals would you like to make that you don't make now? Hmm. I, I enjoy making the wines that um, we make now. I think, you know, you just – I, I kind of want to, you know, keep thinking that I'm going to perfect it, but every vintage is different, and there's always some some new, you know, twist and turn of the vintage that you have to do. 
um, I've got my hands full with what I got going on now. So I think, you know, sticking with the the Merlot, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, and Cabernet, I'm I'm pretty happy with that because I have other varietals that I that go into some of the other wines. Like with our Sauvignon Blanc, I blend in some Sauvignon Musquet, which is a specific clone of Sauvignon Blanc, and some Semillon. And um, I also have some uh, Cabernet Franc and Petit Verdot that go into both the Merlot and, and the Cabernet Sauvignon. So I'm pretty busy with, with what I got going on. Gotcha. So, yeah, so, you know, it, it makes sense. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different grapes that uh, I guess people don't realize. Some people do, some people don't. that go into, you know, making a particular um, wine and that it's not always that one 100% of Merlot, 100% of Cabernet. There are other grapes that uh, that you can actually blend into it and it still be considered a Cabernet or a Merlot. Uh, Correct. So you have that percentage. Yeah, you have that percentage, 85% or so. Um, as long as it's that, you're good to go. Um, so uh, what? Let, let's, I'm going to ask you a question, and, and you may or may not answer this one. We'll see. <laughs> the first time I've asked this question. What is something about you that most people don't know? Something about me that most people don't know. Yeah, as a, as a <laughs> winemaker, you know, <laughs> i got to chuckle. <laughs> Can I just leave it at that? Yes. <laughs> if you like, that's fine. I'm not trying I, to put know, you on the spot. I, I'm, I'm a pretty open book. Um, I'm trying to think, is there something about me that people don't know? I, wish I don't I know. Drunk. I think I, you know, one one of the things I always say is I always say that you know one of these days someone's going to figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing and then it's going to be all over for me. So I, I guess Uh-oh. I don't have a whole lot of confidence, maybe. And uh, you know, I have a lot of guys that work for me that make me look good. And well, can I just say something on that note? For someone yes. who, who, who 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 claims not to have that much confidence, wow, you do a really incredible job. You you've got everybody fooled. That's pretty impressive. That is impressive. I know, huh? See, it's it's just. I think you know sometimes, and in, in any job, I mean, your job the same. I mean, if you, if you looked at how big your job was at some point, you would right. sort of you know get freaked out by all of it. And you know, I I just do what's in front of me for the day and. And, you know, that's, that's all any of us can do. Wait, you mean because, like, my job, there's, like, tens of thousands of people listening all over the world and to my voice and everything that I say as I say, oh, my God, oh, no. I'm exactly. Kidding. That's exactly what I'm saying. No, I'm not, I, I, I don't freak out about it. Every once in a while I do, but, you know, not on the air, you know. But, um, I'm kidding. Um so let me ask you a question. So who were your major influences growing up outside of the wine industry? Because, you know, I, I know, you know, it's, it's typical to ask the question, okay, you know, you know, uh, Ro- some people say Robert Mondavi and other people say, of course, people that they work with. But I'm interested in knowing outside of the wine industry, you're growing up, who are your major influences? Who are the people that you say, you know, I want to be like them or, you know, they inspire me? You know, my my grandmother, I mean, my grandmother – came over from Germany and so I'm really only second generation and she was an amazing cook and she could taste things and she could pull them apart and put them back together in her own kitchen and I've I always found it fascinating 
and one one day my mother said to me, she said, oh, my goodness, you're just like your grandmother. And it was the biggest compliment that I could have ever gotten. And, nice. you know, and and when you taste a wine, still to this day, you know, I when I make wines, I don't necessarily try to, to you know, think that, oh, this wine is going to be full of, of blackberry jam. It, it's more like what the vineyard gives you that year. But every once in a while, I will have such an overwhelming sense of nostalgia when I smell a wine, and it will remi- remind me of my grandmother that it will literally bring tears to my eyes. Hmm. That's amazing. That really is. That's, that, you know, that's a nice testament to, I, I think, in, in fact, you know, of course, your upbringing and, uh, you know, because, you know, uh, other people might say other figures outside of their family. And that's that's just a really nice thing to uh, to know that that's, that's who you think about, you know, first and foremost, when you think of someone who inspired you. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. So, so what do you see as the key element in making great wine? It's vineyards. It's okay. it's where the grape where is the it's location location location. Ah, okay, not unlike and, real estate. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's the same thing here, and you know with our Marca Merlot, you know we have an amazing ranch which is in Yauntville, which is the center of Napa Valley, and we've always found that the concentration of flavors that come from the Yauntville area, you get a lot of that sort of Bing cherry fruit. And it's something for us that um, has been the hallmark of the Markham Merlot forever. And, you know, when we, besides, you know, our own vineyards, if we were looking to purchase Merlot fruit, then we, again, go back to that location, 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 and are looking for Merlot in the Yauntville area because we we really feel that. And, you know, being that we've bought Merlot from different locations, maybe in the southern end down in the Carneros where it's cooler, the Merlot down there has much more of a zippy raspberry sort of characteristic. And as you go north to the northern end in, in Calistoga, you get more of a jammy blackberry jam characteristic. So right. um, it's, it's all about, you know, having the grapes grown in the right location and um, – and, and developing whatever it is your style at at the winery that you're at. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, so I've got a tweet here that just came in from Nitsar Nitsaro from Indonesia, and it says, and this is an interesting question, so you'll uh, have to bear with me on this one. Sometimes it's hard to find Moscato Diasti. Is there any similarity for it? That's the question. So. Um, I mean, I think I know what the answer is to that, but you know, I, the big question is is um, is you know for you. So, well, I, I would actually be interested to hear what you have to say, Stu, on on this matter. We we make a little bit of Muscat Blanc here, which is a similar varietal, but again, it's it's dip, a lot of it will depend on how you you treat the wine, whether you you know choose to leave it sweet, choose to make it dry, and right. whatnot. So. Um, what do you think about it? Well, I was going to say, I was going to go in that direction. Um, but I mean, you know, similar to Moscato di Asti, I mean, you could go with, because of the fact that it has a little bit of uh, effervescence to it, uh, that's the difference. I mean, you can almost go um, like a, uh, a Riesling, a sweet Riesling. The problem is that there's no effervescence to that. Right. You know, you know, so it's kind of tough. Um I'd almost have to say Prosecco. 
I mean, that's really yeah, the one thing that I comes to thinking. mind. I would say Prosecco uh, to Nitsar Nitsaro of Indonesia. Uh, that, that, that would be the closest thing that you can find. And then the question is, in Indonesia, can you find Prosecco? So that's, you know, that's the next question. Are they, are they exporting to you there? So that's the thing that you want to look for, um, and I'm going to let Nitsar Nitsaro of Indonesia know that that's, that's what we came, kind of came up with uh, together. So that was the that was the one of the tweeted questions that just came in as I'm I'm looking here and uh, trying to field everything here for you. So my question for you now would be: Who, by your standards, are the up and coming great winemakers in Napa? Is there someone that you say you know? Hey, because the thing that I have to the reason why I ask that question is this: I qualify it this way. In all my time of doing these interviews over the past year, um, I find the one wonderful thing. The one component that's amazing about Napa is that it's truly a community in that everybody is you know is uh cheering for everybody everyone is interested in seeing that everyone does well and successful uh as a whole as opposed to people you know being com- competitive it's uh, to me i mean people are uh, slightly competitive in that they want to make great wine but unto themselves more so you know in the sense of i want to com- i really want to make a great wine but not uh, you know, not unaware of the other winemakers out there and who the people are that are up and coming and are doing well and that you know and have wines that you're that interest you and intrigue you. So, so having qualified that question, so who do you think, by your standards, are the up and coming great winemakers in Napa? You know, I <laughs> I am kind of an old fogey, I guess. I <laughs> I, I don't um, think so. <laughs> uh, I have a young family, so I tend to leave my job and go home. So I don't spend a lot of time going out and around a lot. Um, There are so many, so many wineries here in Napa. And, you know, I am always impressed every time I taste a wine and Mm -hmm. even more so impressed when I taste wines that I've never heard of before. And um, I I, I don't have one that I could just pinpoint because there are so many. And um you know i just think that the wine industry in general you know napa obviously because i'm from napa but it's it's just interesting to see how much everyone continues to step up their game and just you know keep pushing to make things better to be more inventive and and not not so much to really take away the historic and the the old school nature of winemaking because it really is about you know bringing the grape in and trying to do as little to it as possible. Yes. Um, to make to make a great wine, but you know the in, inventions of you know the toasting the barrels differently or or fermenting you know in oak and 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 doing these things and continuing to do trials to see what works best for you and and that whole sharing of information so that even for me, an old fogey like me, that you can still learn how to do things new and teach those old dogs new tricks. And I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, it's great, the idea of not manipulating the grape as much and trying to get as much out of it without that manipulation, with just in its purest form as, as best. And I think that that's, you know, that's an art. It's really an art form. You know, it's an amazing skill. That I have to, and I take my my hat off if I had one on, um, to you <laughs> and the winemakers. So um, that leads me to the next question, and and now this will kind of delve a little deeper into your psyche. No, I'm kidding. 
Um, <laughs> so in your personal collection of wine, what would we find? What is in your personal collection? Uh, I have, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I do, well, I do tend to drink um, at home a lot of wines that I don't necessarily make. So uh, my husband and I, I know. yeah, my husband and I went to school up in Oregon, so we have quite a stash of Oregon Pinot Noir. And, of course, you know, I'm a girl, so I like the bubbly, so I have, you know, I have a hard time keeping a stash of it at my house, but I do enjoy uh, French champagne. Okay. Now, do you do you enjoy, let's say, some of the cavas, or do you like maybe like a Rosa Regali or stuff like that? I mean, I never, I never met a bubble I didn't like. <laughs> Good answer. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> there, I have to tell you, though, I had learned. I'm trying to think. I wanted to call it a champagne master, but that's not really the, the correct term. But a wine, a champagne maker. Uh, at at a at a tasting one time, and basically it was explained to me like this: the smaller the bubbles, the better the mouth feel. Absolutely. In other words, they can, they can put more bubbles in into it, and the, the smaller they are, they cover more of the of the the you know your tongue and your mouth, and so the better the mouth feel, and the better the taste sensation. And it was pretty amazing to me. It's such a simple concept, and then he poured me two different, uh, one sparkling wine and one champagne, and said, okay, I want you to notice the difference. And you look at it, and it's completely obvious to you, but it's like it, you wouldn't even know that. If you didn't look for it, you wouldn't know it. And then you taste it, and it's like, wow, what a difference. It just makes total sense, you know? Right, so, right. So on the bubbly end, uh, I, just, I just learned something that I wanted to then, of course, say to you and get it out there into the ether into uh, my listeners that when you're going out there to get some bubbly, that's what you want to look for. Smaller bubbles. Ask them about it. Anyway, having said that, um, is there a best vintage of Markham, Mark let's say Cabernet, that you think was a cut above the rest? Is there one out there that you'd say, okay, you know, of the ones we've made, you know, and, you know, one that may be just well-known as being one of the better vintages or one that you think personally yourself? Well, one of my favorite vintages in the most recent years was obviously the first year that I was promoted to winemaker, which was in 2001. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it, and it was a great Not biased at all. Uh, I, you know, I'm just biased. I am biased to it. I can't help it. A lot of people prefer the 2002 vintage, which is probably more sex. It's a sexier vintage. It's got a lot more fruit and tannin. But I think, you know, the 2001 vintage is, is it's very, it's just classic Napa. I mean, it's it's still got fruit, but you know, right now we opened, um, I opened a delicious 2004 vintage um, Markham Cabernet Franc over the Christmas holiday with my family, and and it was also fantastic. So. Um, you know, we've had some great vintages here in the last 10 years in Napa Valley, and uh, I've been very lucky here at Markham Vineyards. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, um, you know, for me, I'll give you an example. When I, you know, working in, uh, uh, you know, and, and making recommendations of wines, uh, you know, I can say this with uh, complete confidence and that I've always thought that the Cabernets were phenomenal, um, I mean, just really, really good, consistent, uh, and that's why I asked. By the way, the vintage question. I was just because I, I, I have found them to be extremely consistent over the past, I'd say five, six vintages that I, you know, I've been 
uh, you know, aware of, I should say, and have been drinking. So, uh, and I picked Cabernet because, you know, Napa Valley, I think, you know, and, and, and Cabernet being the, the king of all varietals, per se, uh, that it, it definitely um, it definitely was pretty incredible that you guys are that consistent, um, vintage after vintage after vintage after vintage. And, uh, and you know, um, it, it, it tastes different, each vintage, but uh, there's definitely great characteristics of each one unto itself. So I just wanted to, again, my hat off to you. Kudos. Yeah, I mean, and and I love Cabernet, I do, but I I always want it to have a little bit of age on it, which you know then my preference always goes to Merlot because it goes with a wider range of foods and sure. you know and I I could have it anywhere you know with anything from grilled mushrooms or or duck you know to something like you know pizza or a burger, or whatever you're going to have, whereas Cabernet, you always kind of want, you know, some red meat, or, you know, sure. at least something big, big meaty mushroom, so, um, you know, and, and and the current vintages that are out on the market right now, the 06 vintage um, on the Merlot, and the Cabs, and the 07s, they're all excellent vintages. So, I want to make sure again, um, before we end the show here, we've got a few minutes left, but I want to make sure that everybody knows to go to www.markhamvineyards.com. That's with an S at the end. And check out first the web page, of course, uh, and you get a chance to see a little bit of the vineyard itself. But the same token, you can find out about all the wines that were uh, are made from Markham. Uh, and again, I say if you're going to be out in Napa Valley, this is a must see. You have to go here to Markham because. The the you know it's beautiful. Napa Valley is beautiful in and of itself, and I and I have to say that each vineyard and each place in Napa takes on its own take, if you will, on a winery. And and Markham does a great job, and and you know it's just you know you really get a chance to appreciate some really good wines. And of course you can go into you know buy a few, take them with you. Go you know if you want to go into town and you want to go to a nice restaurant, you can bring a few Markham wines with you. Uh, bring your own bottle and uh, and have it with a nice meal. Because I've always said this a million times, you cannot get a bad meal in Napa or a bad bottle of wine. Just can't. It's impossible. <laughs> Even if you try, which I don't know. You, it makes I don't it hard to go. Through. It makes it hard to go away on vacation. I will give you that. I would imagine. I would imagine. <laughs> if you could put it this way, it would be really a bad thing for me to live in Napa as much as I, <laughs> because I, 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 you're right. I would never leave. I would absolutely never leave. I wouldn't go anywhere, and, and and my wife would kill me because she wants to travel all over the world, and as I do, so that would kind of stop it right there. That'd be the kibosh. Um, so we have a couple minutes left here. I wanted to ask: Are there any wine events? Are there any things going on at the winery, or are there events coming up that you want to tell my listeners about, so this way they can kind of mark it on their calendar and uh, and make sure they don't miss it? You know, we excuse me, we do um, wine events periodically for our wine club members um so if if people go to our website that they can certainly check out um and join our wine club and if you're in a state where we can ship you wine we'd love to do that um but one thing i really did want to mention Stu, is that we are um about ready in april to launch our fourth annual mark of distinction program and we award two $25,000 grants to individuals or organizations who are aiming to better their communities. And you can go also on our website to, to check that out. We have um, two 
single vineyard bottlings of Cabernet. They're very small, limited release. And um, every year the winners um, that we announce are, we then have them um, a little dedication on the back of each of those two bottlings. So with that go along with the grants. Yeah, so it's it's fun for us um, in so much that we really feel like, you know, we're making wine, but maybe we don't have as much time to be able to do good for the community. So we're doing it in a different way and uh, and reaching out. And so, again, this will be the fourth year, and um, it's it's really easy to, you know, fill out uh, a few words about how you can help your community, and I encourage everyone to do it. Well, that, that's fantastic. It's kind of like paying – Paying uh, it forward in a sense, and that's uh, I like that. I'm always for all of that, and, that, and that's why I want to get out anything that you want to talk about and anything that you want to bring up. Um, I want my listeners to know about and, and and get enthusiastic about as well. So, um, well, you know what? If this is uh, this is the part I always hate about because I run out of time, and I have a million other questions I want to ask you. So, what that does is it means I'm going to have to have you back on. So, uh, you're just going to have to come back on again. You know that, right? <laughs> I would love it. It went really fast. And, uh, yeah, it was great, Stu. Great. I really appreciate it. I want to thank you, first and foremost, for coming on. Uh, um, you're, you know, you're, you're a fantastic guest, and it's, and it's just really easy to talk to. And, um, you know, that's the one thing that I find that's, that's great about the, the wine community is that, that, that winemakers are just like you and I. They're just, you know, really great, fun people. And, um, and, and, and again, I, I think, you know, it's fantastic that uh, everything that, that Markham's doing, as I mentioned earlier, I would like everybody to, if you're going out there, to make sure that you put it on your list of, of uh, wineries and vineyards to visit. So thank you so much, Kimberly Nichols of Markham Vineyards, for coming on the show. And, again, I will make sure I have you on again. Thank you, Stu. And thank you to all the people who sent in uh, Twitters and emails for the questions because they were great questions. Excellent. Thank you again. Have a great evening. You too. Happy New Year. Happy New Year and take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. So that was Kimberly Nichols of Markham Vineyards. I want to thank her especially for coming on the show and talking about her fantastic wines. I want to thank everyone who listened in who emailed, who tweeted their questions. That was fantastic. Uh, I, want, I want to uh, let you know that, as always, if you have any questions about the show, you can email them to info at stewthewineguru.com. You can go to my website as well at www.stewthewineguru.com and click the link for all my wine articles, my videos, and listen to some of the archived wine talk shows. You can also find out the TV shows that I'm going to be on upcoming. As I always say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stew the Wine Guru. Drink up. Good wine and good night. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru.